culture and society podcast from a black ass queer perspective i am your host i am your producer of this here show eric cole aka life coach eric bka tennis bay if you're not already following and subscribe to the hunger podcast be sure to do that on instagram and also on your favorite podcasting platform by searching at hunger pod that's h-u-n-g-u-p-p-o-d if you love this show you like what i'm doing if you like my voice a lot of y'all just like my voice, and that's cool, too. Show your love by subscribing on the Instagram account, 99 cents a month. Come on, it ain't going to break the bank. But the more listeners that I get subscribed, the more revenue that will come in to help fuel this platform, take it to the next level. Tony and I, we're meeting later today. We're bringing back season two of our YouTube show, Hung Up Hot Live. So if you like what you're hearing, you like this space that I'm creating in the queer community, which is something I'm trying to do something different than what other people are doing. And come on, it's the longevity for me. I've been here for a while, since 2017. (laughs) Many podcasts have come along, even tried to take my name and create a podcast. They not around no more, but I'm still here. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you all pour into this podcast. You all pour into me. Those DMs, those comments, those emails, those personal messages keep me going. I'd be lying if I said there weren't times where I wanted to give up. I've been transparent about that. I've talked about that here on the show. You all keep me going. And just this desire to keep pouring into the community and just shedding light on stories artists the people the places and the things that i feel like deserve a spotlight because remember we are always the culture it's never a platform a blog it's never just one individual or a group of individuals it's all of us and we have to make sure that we're present at the table to tell our story our part of the story so other people won't do it for us We are shaping, we are moving, we are influencing culture in real time. I'm Hung Up. Happy Pride, Hung Up family. This month, the Hung Up podcast collaborated with the Philadelphia Department of Public Health for the Philly Keep On Loving campaign. It's the summertime and we all outside. Let's make the best decisions for our sexual health. While we all want to love freely, we should also have access to the resources that help us love safely. PrEP is an effective alternative to protect you against HIV. Taken once a day, PrEP reduces the risk of HIV through sex by more than 90%. And when worn properly, condoms are also effective for HIV and STI prevention. PrEP is an option for you and for me, meaning it's not just for gay men. 
all right? And it's widely available to anyone living here in Philadelphia. Visit phillykeeponloving.com or just tap my bio link and you'll get more information, get your questions answered, and get the access to free support. The post for this is pinned on my Instagram profile. So be sure to like it, comment, bookmark, share. Get all, you know, I, want, I need to get all those impressions. I am a prep advocate in my personal space and in my personal life. I take prep every day. One really good health benefit that comes out of being on prep is that you have to go in for your checkups. You have to go in for um, your blood work and just your regular visits. Make sure your levels are good and all of that. And then just by you naturally being in that space, you're going to be exposed to other people, other resources. You never know. So I just think it's a win-win situation. Hunga family, please support me in this campaign. I'm hung up. So I'm going to say this and then we're going to get into this interview, which is really good. I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Um, as a pet owner, I'm a, I'm a dog owner. I'm a dog dad. My little guy is 13, even though people think he's a puppy. Listen, it's the youthfulness for me. I'm walking around the neighborhood with Tristan today and we dodging. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't step in dog shit. Because y'all don't pick it up. And I'm trying to make sure he doesn't step in dog shit while he's like, you know, sniffing around doing his thing. So it's like I get a lot of this frustration we be seeing from people who don't own pets, who don't own dogs. <laughs> while they just be over this shit because I'm walking around the neighborhood today. And it's just it's just like you walk in and you're like, wow, it's just shit everywhere. I think that's hella irresponsible to take your dog outside, not and you're taking off of your property. Okay, if you want, if you want your dog to shit everywhere, let them do it on your grass, in your backyard, on your porch. But y'all have the audacity to take y'all dogs out into the community, out into spaces where people, children are playing, and y'all let the dogs just shit, and you don't pick it up, you just keep going. And then if somebody were to say something to you, you'd probably be huffing and puffing, blowing up your chest, be ready to fight. And it's not just the shit thing. Some, y'all, I also watch where Tristan pees, because... You can't be, some of y'all just be disrespecting people's property. For real. Not everybody, I, I've said this about people with kids. You know, there's a lot of parents out here who got kids who shouldn't have them. And, and the same goes for pet owners, dog owners. A lot of y'all have dogs and y'all just don't, y'all not responsible. I'm hanging up. All right, so let's get into this week's episode because I'm excited for you all to hear my conversation with Kenyon O'Brien, who is an actor, he is a producer, he's a writer, and he is also very much a part of the ballroom scene. The season five premiere of Talks With Myself airs on Wednesday, June 21st. Talks With Myself is an Ami Pro TV series created by Robert Amias Jr., Roger is a producer, writer, and director known for Finding Me, the series, Decalogue, a Finding Me story, and Talks With Myself, which features today's guest, Kenyon O'Brien. Now we're caught up on why I began this confessional. I decided to implement some of the ideas of a few people, including my therapist, and pour out my innermost 
personal life experiences to the world in hopes at making amends and course correct my life. What's up, my family? I want to welcome to the podcast a very special guest, actor and producer, Kenyon O'Brien. Welcome to the show. Hello, folks. What's up? Kenyon O'Brien here. Round of applause. (laughs) As many of y'all know, already know Kenyon. Some of y'all may not. So I'm happy for you to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're here to talk. We're here to talk. We have a season premiere, season five, that uh, will be premiering of Talks With Myself um, is, is coming up. So you're here to talk about that. Um, but we're really here to get into all things Kenyon O'Brien. Um, so let's just get, go ahead and get started. Let the people know. Um, please introduce yourself and let the people know where they can find you on social media. All right. So Kenyon L. O'Brien. Um, I am an actor, writer, poet, model. Um, I have a, you have the survival job, you know, that, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, I'm just a, kind of low-key. I'm part of the ballroom scene as well. Um, people know me from there as to um, bartender. You know, I do a lot of different things. Um, you can find me, it's very simple, Kenyon L. O'Brien everywhere. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I keep it very simple. Same thing across all media platforms. Kenyon L. O'Brien. <laughs> Real simple. <laughs> Real simple. And um, I'll be sure, uh, Hug Up Family, you know, I'll put uh, Kenyon's contact information in the episode notes so you know where to find him. And see, this is why I always have my guests introduce themselves because I'll be doing y'all no justice. <laughs> uh, poet, director, writer, I mean, you're all over the bartender. Um, we're going to also get into um, ball, the ballroom scene with you. I'm excited to hear how you've influenced the ballroom scene and how the ballroom scene has influenced you. And your work and your life story. So, um, again, thank you for being here. Let's go ahead. I want to start off by who is Kenyon? Like, if let's say it's people out there have never met you, never heard of you, and this is their first time hearing your voice. What do you want people to know? Who is Kenyon O'Brien? Kenyon L. O'Brien. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and why I always say the L because. Um, my father's name is Kenyon O'Brien, but I'm not a junior because I have a middle name, so I always just say Kenyon L. O'Brien. Um, yeah, so I just used it that way. So I liked it. It stuck with me. Um, so who is Kenyon? Um, uh, that's a very complex question. Um, I, I'm i very low-key, as we discussed before. I'm like a, I like to describe myself as like an anti-social socialite. Um, I... I like to say to myself most times I'm an only child, so I can, I'm very much okay entertaining myself. Um, and I'm loving, I'm very loyal to my friends and the people that are around me, chosen family and biological. Um, you know, biological can be a little funny, but I'm still there for them. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really just, I'm shy at heart. Sometimes people, I've come off as like a hard show on the outside, but once you get to know me, I'm, pretty much salty, but it takes a lot to get through those layers um, to be comfortable because I'm an avid observer. So I um, pay attention to people and my surroundings. And sometimes 
you notice how people move and you just don't want to insert yourself in the way they move. Um, so I can be a little feed people with a long hand spoon type of thing, um, which is good because I like to keep my sanity because um, the world is a crazy place and maintaining sanity is um, whew, it is a, definitely a full time job. If these past three, four years of this pandemic didn't teach me anything, it's to relax and, um, yeah, put yourself first. <laughs> that is a word. And um, I really related to you on being like a, um, you, did you say you were the only, only, only child, child growing up, mm-hmm. only child growing up and you had to really. Only child period. Yourself. Like I don't have any, any siblings. Any siblings, so like, yeah, same, like I was, my father raised me, he didn't raise, I wasn't raised with my other siblings, um, and so I very much had to entertain myself, I was a Lego kid, I was a music kid, I was an outside, you know, well, we had no choice back then, you had to put your ass outside, we weren't allowed to be in the house too, too much, um, but I just related to you on that, and so it's very interesting how aspects of our childhood you know, we either take with us or, or, or grow with us in, into adulthood. Do you feel that way? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, that's like when you just said the Legos and stuff. I used to be in the house. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, Connects. You used to make the... Uh, yes. Like, like, I used to be sitting in the house doing that all by myself. Um, my mom used to have to, like, fight me to get outside. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm very, I was very content with being by myself most times. And sometimes you got to put yourself out there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it has its pros and cons, but I mean, socializing is a must, I guess. <laughs> it is. Speaking of which, I saw you, um, how we met, um, in person the first time was, uh, Philly Black Pride. Mm-hmm. I saw you down to the woody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was one of my first spots I went to when I was growing up. Woody's has been around for a long time. A long, long time. <laughs> it has changed I know like when I first I moved to Philly in 2006 and um, I can't remember when I started going to Woody's it was shortly after that I feel like I'm not sure when how how long Woody's has been around but I just remember being up in we were the, the hip hop room what we call it the black room was upstairs in that one room and it was hot as hell it was always cramped you couldn't move you couldn't really do anything except Get fucked up. <laughs> so you yep. could at least try to enjoy your night because if you weren't tipsy, you were you. It was gonna be hard to enjoy your night in that space. But it was Woody, it was a good time. Woody's on a Wednesday because I I came out in two thousand and two, um, and I grew up in Delaware, but I was born in New York. Um, so when I came out, it was the closest city was you know Philly or DC and Baltimore. Um, so like on Wednesdays, we would go up to Philly go to Woody's um, and who yes, 13th street, that whole neighborhood has changed a lot. <laughs> a lot of places have come and gone, some good places. Um, but yeah, Woody's uh, is still holding on. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Okay, cool. What's your sign, Kenyon? I'm a Capricorn. You're a Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn too. Look at that. I, December you know, 26th. Oh, you're in January. Okay. I mean, you're December, you're just, January. I'm, you're in January. Okay. My, one of my best friends, he's uh, January Capricorn, too. Yeah, January 4th. Like, smack in the... I'm like, there is no, like, lean this way, lean that way. So people are always like, oh, yeah, you're a Capricorn. True Capricorn. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, 
because I do feel like January, January and December Capricorns are Capricorns, obviously, yes, through and through, but I feel like they are a little different. Mm. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like us December Capricorns, we, I think we're a little more fiery. I don't know. We, <laughs> yeah, a little more outgoing, fiery, more social. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Yes. Uh-huh. Complete opposite of me. <laughs> Yes, my January Capricorn. I, I just pulled him out of the house. We were down at level up not too long ago, um, and I and it was it was nice to have him out because he was also one of those people that I used to just, you know, back in the day, you know. And it's just sometimes you do you ever just sit and wonder, like, wow, a lot of the people that we used to hang with, that we used to see, some of them unfortunately are not here anymore, and so. Being out and being in the community and feeling the vibe and feeling the spirit, I always love it. I always love being out in the community. But sometimes I can't help but to feel, you know, every now and again, a little a little sadness hits me out of nowhere just because of the nostalgia and how, you even mentioned it, how Philly used to be, how the scene used to be and how much it has changed. And um, not not everyone is here that, right. that we're used to seeing yeah, being outside sometimes is like, oh, because you, you're always seeing things that's going to make remind you of something else, something from before. Um, so it kind of like takes you out of the moment, the present, because you're like, oh, I was over there. And it's like, oh, but it looks so different. Oh, look at that place. What is that? Is Yeah. It, I mean, I guess that comes with times and how things change. I mean, things have to change, but some things you want to stay the same. Um, even in a sense to just hanging out with people that you you don't hang out with so much, um, you got to try to you know touch base with people and just um, get back to that, or at least you know just every so often actually like hang out stuff like that. I try to do that from time to time, more more so now than ever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's. Let's get into so I have some questions for you tonight. We're we're going to plug your web series and just talk about you know some of those themes that come up in your web series because it's very um talk about myself is really for us, by us. Mm-hmm. It's like y'all are listening to us as you're creating these stories and creating these characters. So I'm really excited to get into all that. Um, but let's just start from a high level. Um, talk about all the work that you've been involved in. I know you've been involved with Talks With Myself, and shout out to Roger um, Omius. Yes, uh, Omius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Omius Jr. I know you've been involved with uh, the Triangle Web Series as well. Shout out to Carlos Perez. Yes. <laughs> the Triangle Web Series, uh, which I believe um, you were the first uh, cast member casted. The Triangle Web Series. So, talk about it. Just give us an understanding of um, the breadth of uh, <laughs> of your work. <laughs> um, so, um, acting kind of like uh, I guess it like fell in my lap because um, I was like doing modeling here and there, and then um, so what happened was so talks with myself is a spinoff um, is a spinoff of a spinoff. So it came from two movies that came out about. 15 years ago, it was um, Finding Me and then Finding Me Truth, uh, which was two movies that came out. And then after the movies came out, um, this is when web series start 
getting popular, so I kind of transitioned to web series. Um, so a friend of mine, um, Jared Schuler, um, was a writer and a producer on Finding Me. So we were like, I think we were away on vacation um, with a group of friends. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to write a part for you. And I was like, okay, all right, we'll see. Um, and so what happened was I came on Finding Me, the series, which was the initial series from the DVDs. Um, and I was supposed to be a love interest of one of the other characters. Just for, I was only supposed to be on for one episode. Um, so before the series started, the main character's love interest dropped out. Um, or couldn't do it anymore. Um, I'm not sure the exact specifics. So they reached out to me and was like, would you be interested in playing a love interest of the main character? And so I was like, yeah. So then that's how that came about with Finding Me. So I was doing Finding Me, um, and I came on as Morris Shadway um, to the main, char- main character. And then, so I was doing that first, like the first two seasons or so. And then during the course of that time, uh, Caesar Williams and Carlos. Caesar had an idea that he wanted to do a um, web series. Caesar is um, behind ballroom throwbacks. Um, he does a lot of the recording for the um, the community. Um, he just released like this big Google um, arts and culture thing with Google in partnership with them. So he had an idea that he wanted to do a web series, and he wanted to pretty much spotlight people in the ballroom scene. So him and Carlos had a relationship. He knew Carlos, Carlos was a writer. Um, so then they put their heads together and was like, okay, we're going to come up with a web series. Um, and they came up with the web series. Um, and Caesar, he, well, he's also my gay father too. Um, so he was like, I want you to do it. You know, you act. I want you to do it. I want you to be the character. Um, so when I read um, this, the script for the first time for Triangle, so the three main characters, um, Derek, Jabril, and Brandon, so I read it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to be Brandon. Um, and they were like, no, we want to be Jabril. I was like, I don't like him. Like, I didn't like the main character. I was like, I don't like him. He's terrible. Um, they were like, no, you're going to be Jabril. I was like, okay. Um, and then that's how Triangle started. Um, and Triangle really started, um, it was only supposed to be six episodes. Um, and then midway through, like, third, fourth, fifth episode, like the popularity got up. Everybody was like, oh, we want more, we want more. And it turned into seven seasons and six, seven spinoffs um, of the whole show. Um, and yeah, so that, and then I was still bouncing back and forth between that and Finding Me. And then after Finding Me, the series ended, Roger wanted to spotlight some of the supporting characters on the show. So he came up with Decalogue, which is supposed to be 10 chapters um, and talks to myself was chapter one. And then it was another one restitution. Um, and I think the other one was miseducation. Of, I forgot the other one, but it was a couple of different chapters um, under Decalogue and talks to myself was chapter one. And he reached out to the supporting characters that was on finding me the series to make them um, pretty much the main characters in the new series. So that's how that, talking about that was a lot but yes that's how it came about <laughs> wow so you went from finding me it seems like that was like the start mm-hmm. to triangle web series mm-hmm. where you were kind of like there was an overlap there mm-hmm. you were kind of doing them at the same time at one point by the way 
I think like, wow, what a challenge to an actor to play a role that you were a little turned off by at first. Yes. I was like, okay, so now I got to dig into this. I was like, okay. You had to dig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, chapter... Say it again. I'm sorry. I said, but the, ca- the character grew on me over time. It was a roller coaster ride, but yes, he grew, grew on me. To a chapter series, what it sounds like. And it sounds, and I think talks with myself, you said was chapter one. Yes. And this is kind of like how we ended up here today. Mm-hmm. Well, Kenny, like you've really worked alongside some amazing people, um, directors and, and actors. I just want to name a few that are on the show with you. Talked with myself, Diego Quintero, Damon West, Daryl Walker, Noel Austin, just to name a few. What has it been like for you to work alongside a cast of such talented people, black men and women? Mm-hmm. Because um, you you have an ex a ex wife and uh, the series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually been really great because they push you in different um, directions, especially depending on your scene partner. Um, so the chemistry and dynamic is always different. Um, like over the course of the talks of myself, the series, and finding me, um, it was always the professionalism was always the professionalism was always there, and the the artistry of the character, my other cast members was like amazing. Even for um, like my first on-screen, I guess my first on-screen gay kiss was actually a straight male. Um, And so that professionalism, I was like, oh, he's straight. How are we supposed to navigate this? Um, But it was good. I mean, it was fine. Um, That was um, Ray from Talk to Myself, the series and the movie. He was the main character, Fabian. Um, and he was actually a straight man. So, I mean, I think the professionalism in that just being into your craft, um, I think it speak, speaks volumes. And a lot of the people that come into it, because at the end of the day, it's a passion project because we're not on major network and all this. Um, so you, so people that are dedicated to it and they're coming and they're showing their talents when they could actually be, you know, anywhere else, you know, given people that um, it shows a lot. So some, you definitely have to show up for people and be there. Um, with them in the moment um, and that's why I really like this cast because everybody has fun together even on set um, and each scene partners scenes everything is a different dynamic with everyone um, and everybody brings it and, I'll, and to be totally honest um, throughout the course of this series and triangle a lot of the actors that I've acted with it was like their first time acting. So they kind of like grew on screen as the series or scenes went. Um, and it's um, it was definitely a, a good thing to experience because you can see their growth from beginning to end. Even watching Triangle with a lot of the actors on that, um, I want to say like 90 to 95% of the actors that came on to Triangle was new actors. They never acted before. We didn't even start pulling... Um, like really professional actors that had acted or was like part of SAG or anything like that until like the later seasons. Um, so even in that was just like, okay, this is, everybody's committed to this. So it's good. Um, that's why we yeah. liked it. And you can see that passion. You can see that commitment. You, you described it as a passion project and you're right. Everybody does bring it. And I know 
being as though I'm more familiar with season three and I wanted to um, pause real quick and have you let everyone know where they can see the show. But I know season three, I just finished watching um, seasons one through three are on YouTube right now. Um, and even in that season, I witnessed the growth of the storyline and the strength of the actors and the confidence of the actors um, owning the scene. You can really see that. And I think that's such an awesome way to pour back into the community. You said these some of these folks didn't even have any acting experience. And it goes to show that you don't have to. They have talent. And right. if you just get a, an opportunity, right, like with this show, you can really shine and grow. And, I, and I'm just, everybody does bring it. Everyone brings it. And I'm so excited for this show. And I really want everyone listening to check you all out and support. So tell us real quick, seasons one through three are right now on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So where can folks watch the, uh, where, where can we expect, because the season, season five is coming. So go ahead and plug where the, the home, the home of the show. So the home is like a subscription-based um, website. It's omeprotv.com, O-M-E-P-R-O-T-V.com. Um, and you can go in there. You can do the episodes one by one. You can do the season. Uh, you can rent. You can buy. Um, so all of the seasons are there. Even some of the, the other chapters of Decalogue is in there as well. And Finding Me is there as well. Um, so in anticipation of season uh, five, we released seasons one through three on YouTube. Um, and the YouTube channel is Omi Pro TV as well. Um, you could go to go there, see one through three, um, get caught up. Um, yeah. Um, it, and Roger was like kind of hesitant to do it because he didn't want to like, oh, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, but we see people actually like engaging with it and watching it. Um, and the views are going up, um, which is really good because I think um, like the show itself, like you said, is really, really good. I mean, the storylines, the acting and everything. Um, and so it was always a little hard getting it out there, the popularity of it, because it wasn't sticking to what the times was going with. And that's all like, you know, skin, nudity, all that stuff. It was more so really trying to stick to the storyline and the cinematography of everything. Um, and that was a little, a little battle that Roger was having. That's the, the writer, the creator, the director he was having with, um, you know, trying to connect to our community because our community was so, um, sexualized. They want the sex, mm-hmm. they want the skin, mm-hmm. they want that. Um, so a lot of the times he was kind of like battling with like, do I do this? Do I not? Um, so yeah, even with the views, which is weird, we were just talking about it um, in our group chat. They were like, do you see a, um, a pattern in uh, the views? Because we were like scroll and all the views that the most views, the thumbnail was skin. And really, that's always the higher views of the episode. I guess people go straight to that one. So like the thumbnails, if you go to the views, um, like the thumbnails that has like, oh, shirtless or somebody laying down or something, that's all the higher views of the um, episode. So, I mean, you know, people like what they like, I guess. <laughs> oh, gosh, we are trying to do something different here. I've, I've always said that with the po- with the Hunger podcast, too, is that, look, People know if you want the drama, if you want the fights from Zeus, mm-hmm. if you want if you want 
dick and ass and all of that. It's podcast out there that will give you the drama. <laughs> the podcast is going to give you something different. I've, been, I've always been that way since 2017. Mm-hmm. And the people that follow and listen to this podcast, they're also looking for something. You know, because I do think it is a cohort of us yeah. that um, are looking for something a little more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like you said, whatever brings the people in. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm really hoping that they can go beyond that and, and really connect yes. with some of these characters and what's going on in these scenes because you really touch on some really heavy topics, honestly. Mm-hmm. Real quick, talk to us about... Okay, I just want to... I'm taking notes as you're talking. Um, <laughs> and So hopefully we're not here all night because you just you say That's things fine. and I'm like, ooh. Um, <laughs> I won't have you here all night. I'm just messing with you. Um, but you mentioned, you mentioned cinematography, and I just wanted to elevate that and, and just say yes. Um, I know that earlier today before we did our interview, I sent you a screenshot. I was watching um, toward the end of season three, I sent you a screenshot of a scene um, with you and a new love interest that you you know are really are starting to form a really close bond and relationship with. And the scene was just so intimate and sexy and you both are laying in bed it's very simple with just a sheet your bodies and then the blue purple light and it's dark and it's it was i sent you that screenshot i said hey this needs to go up on the wall you need to frame this or something so i just wanted to say um a plus of the cinematography and just shout out to roger for doing such, such a great job at writing this i mean he really keeps you interested and obviously you, because you are the main character. I feel like you are the Carrie Bradshaw, right? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and we love that. But he wrestled, um, Roger does not hold back on really giving us something um, that we can feel from the other characters and how these stories are interwoven. And, the, um, and it just keeps you really interested. So I just wanted to shout out you all in the cast for that. You mentioned um, having an intimate scene with someone who was straight. Talk to us about that. Let's go back to that just for a little second here. How did you navigate? How did you approach? How did you navigate? How did you process <laughs> and, and make that scene the best that you can make it? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't even think him and I ever had a full-on sex scene. I, I, I can't think of it right now, but the... I, I was just more so like, you know, you don't, you want to make sure people are comfortable. And I'm like, I'm okay kissing a male, but are you okay kissing a male? But I had to realize that he had already been in the role and he had a male love interest prior to me. Um, which I, I mean, I knew that, but I still was like, how far do I do of my kissing? Is it like tongue? Or like, how do you, like, what? Um, how do we do this? Right, um, right. And do the I first is, while like, I'm doing it, like, what do, I, do I caress your chest? Am I, am I doing too much? Do I pinch that nipple? You're not gonna, like, what do I do? I don't know. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to like, like I, you know, you just don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But, um, and I probably was coming up more uncomfortable than he was. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, one that first kiss was like good. It was like a almost like a Spider Man kiss. Like we crawled up and like kissed him. It was like we we're in a park. Um, so it was, it was really nice. It was a, a, a real nice, um, scene. I'll send it to you the first one. Um, so okay, you can man. see, it. um, you probably, and to be honest, I don't think people watching it because he does such a good job, um, Ray, um, that 
you couldn't even tell like what his sexuality is because he's that committed to the craft and the project, which is really good. Come on, an actor, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> um, this is great. Okay, so let's let's talk about. So you play Morris. Yes. Let's talk, tell us some ways that you relate and connect with your characters and, and some ways that you don't. So for Morris, um, he is, this is what I always call, I tell him to tell Roger who Morris is. Morris is like a baby gay. Um, he's in his mid to late thirties, finally coming out and, you know, comfortable with the sexuality. Um, so, you know, in those early stages, you have this, whole phase, you know, your turn, your turn, your turn, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> and uh, so in that you, you're pretty reckless with your feelings, other people's feelings, how things are going. Um, I've been there. Um, you know, sometimes you get a little selfish and you just want to, you know, be in your own mode and you don't want anything attaching or anything. You just want to be like, okay, this is what it is. Don't make it, don't complicate it. Um, but for me, the Morris thing is him pretty much finding himself and he's still finding himself um, throughout the course, still going throughout the course of the series, still going into season five, all of that. Um, and it's still him getting comfortable with in his self. I could relate to that aspect. Like years ago, you know, when you're trying to figure things out, like early twenties, um, just coming out early twenties, late teens, trying to figure out like, well, how do I navigate this? How do I navigate this? community um because you come out it's like oh is this many gay people and then you're like oh i'm going here oh is this many gay people oh my god there's so many different aspects of that um and it and it can be a um personal culture shock to people um coming out into the community for the first time um so yeah i i think what morris is going through now is what i went through when i was like 17 18 um which you know, it happens. And I actually was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine talking about this series. And I was like, oh, yeah, Morris is this, that, and third. He's, like, coming out 35. Like, oh, yeah, I have friends like that. They're just coming out, you know, being comfortable um, with themselves. Um, and I, I say today, you know, better late than never. You got to live your life for yourself. Um, but, you know, everybody's raised different. You got to, you have to give people the grace and time to come out of the closet when they're, you know, comfortable with doing that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just Wait, one no. of those like some of those really, again, really relatable themes that come up in the show. Um, you mentioned some of what you went through playing Morris with season five coming up. Let's talk real quick about some of the themes that come up because I think it's really important, especially because you all have a really great platform to kind of especially like open up the conversation when it comes to some of these things help people find connection and hope and hopefully that they can heal from some of these things that come up in the show or help other people get through some of the challenges that some of the characters on the show are getting through be it inter interpersonal relationships between besties we see that with you and tim um be it you know coming out of a relationship but still a little bit in it, but you want to move on and you can't really, and you're doing a little hoeing too. Like it's a little bit of everything going on. It's real. I mean, it's it just, it, it's real. So season three, and remember listeners, seasons one through three are on YouTube, season four, Omni TV, 
the app, and season five is coming up. So I want to talk about, so in season three, these are some of the things that came up. Trigger warning, um, sexual assault. That was a big, a big thing. And along with that memory lapse, you know, your character having to deal with a blackout and having to go through therapy, go through that process of trying to remember. Right. And that process can be confusing. It's not linear. It doesn't always make sense. And it can interrupt some of the relationships in the meantime when you were going through that process, as we saw with your character. I mentioned going through uh, the ups and downs with your best friend because, I mean, you were at, you were going through a lot and um, it was a really tough time for you and you felt you felt alone. And it just so happened that you were also falling out with your, your closest friend. Morris is still struggling with his identity in season yeah. three. Um, and that's something that a lot of us struggle with. Well into our, I mean, some of us have been, you know, quote unquote, on the scene or in the community or out for years and, and still struggling with certain aspects of our identity. And we see that in Morris. Um, Morris has an ex-wife talking about identity. And yes. it is interesting to see your relationship with your ex-wife because your ex-wife is still someone who can see Morris for who right. Morris right. truly is, even if Morris isn't willing to, to own it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You always have that one person that will ground you and bring you back. Like, uh, no. That, yes. I, see, I see what's going on here. <laughs> yes. And then... um. Season three ends with Reese and Russell being real messy, plotting and playing and doing and doing what they do. Talk to us about season four. What are some of the things that come up in season four? Still, Morris struggling to get through the assault, but also trying to accept the new relationship. And of course, unconsciously, those triggers pop up, even if he doesn't know it is coming up and is showing, and it's also having him the push-pull, like pushing away and then pulling Curtis back, um, which is his new lover entrance. Um, and it's kind of like confusing, but then you have, um, you dive into Curtis's background where he has some things that are triggering as well to him. Um, and that's where, you know, his ex pops up and shows a different type of thing. And then they have, we have also, another scenario where we meet Curtis's first boyfriend and now he's married to a woman. So it's a lot of different like nuances to everyone's life. It's not just set on Morris's background um, and more so like diving deep into all the other characters and how they are moving along in this uh, journey of sexuality because everybody has something different going on, um, whether it's like Russell and his partner in crime uh, dealing with, oh, now you're trying, he's going to get closer to someone. And that conflict of, oh, mm-hmm. I, I was a rapist, but now I'm trying to get with someone as close as someone else. So it's, it's very nuanced. Um, and it shows like, okay, we got to sit through this and peel back all these layers and see how it comes full circle. Um, I mean, I don't even know the ending of how season five is going right now, but um, 
yeah, I'm I'm interested in it because most times Roger won't let us see it. I mean, we'll sit down and have like a whole big table read for like the first three episodes. Um, and a lot of things kind of like shift and change throughout. Um, so we don't really know what happens. And he'll have us like film two scene, film, film one scene two different ways. So we don't even know how it's coming out. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> a director, yes, a director, yes. <laughs> so we're like, well, what's going to happen? But, uh, and he was like, well, nope, say it like this now. Say it like that now. I'm like, okay. So we don't know what's going to happen. But, um, does Roger also have his ways of like surprising you on set? Yes. So he can kind of get that reaction in scene. He sounds like he is. I, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times he's like, uh, um, because I'm like, I'm going to say I'm like the, the vanilla person. He's like, oh, are you comfortable? Shirt off? You're going to be you okay doing that? Doing this? He won't tell me till I get there. I'm like, okay, we could do it. <laughs> Please. You might as well. You look great. You look, you look great. Your body's amazing. Can you give us a clue as to, in season four, give us a clue what happens with Tim and, is he seeing Russell, I think, in season yes, three? Yes, So give us a clue, because I want, I want the folks who are listening to go and watch, uh, but give us a clue in season four, what happens with them? So they're getting close to each other. And of course there is one of the scenes, there's an aspect where Russell gets a little too rough and it really like shakes Tim to his core. Um, wow. And it's kind of like throws him for a loop in the sense of the relationship. He's like, well, I, I like that, but I didn't like it. And then Russell was kind of like gaslighting him along the way. Like, well, you told me you wanted it. You told me you wanted it. Now you don't want it. Um, that type of thing. Um, and he goes through a whole um, area of like, he goes to like groups and he meets people and he starts like, kind of like feeling like he's connecting the dots to things. Um, and so Russell kind of does something to him to try to like make him like scare him to like, this shut just shut up. It's not, what it is, he help, he's trying to have some, try out something that doesn't go the best way. Um, mm -hmm. and that's how, like, season four ends. And so season five is, like, dealing with, mm. so Morris is dealing with the aftermath of all of that, um, you know, and possibly figuring out who Russell is. And even though he's a friend. I don't like the way this sounds. After he did, you know, all the things. So it's like, yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not liking the way that this is sounding. I don't like how it's making me feel. And this is on brand for Russell because in season three, Russell pulled this whole thing where Tim was like, yeah, cool, I'm down with a threesome. And they're having sex, and another guy just walks in the room. Tim didn't right. even know that he had invited someone. But Russell was just like, oh, no, you said you wanted it. You said you was cool with it, so here we go. So this is on brand for Russell. And that's exactly what Tim was kind of like the aftermath of the whole threesome thing. He was like scared and, you know, he didn't realize like it was happening, even though he said he was with it. it yeah. So he goes through that. And it, I mean, and, you know, sexual situations can be very um, tricky. It's a fine line to um, consent. You know, if people are like, yeah, I'm with it, but let me know what's happening versus like, oh, somebody just pops up. 
and now we're in a threesome, even though I casually mentioned it to you. Um, right. You know, so that's the thing that Roger, I mean, Russell and Tim are dealing with um, that fine line of consent and, you know, being mm. comfortable. And Tim's like, another thing. Another serious thing that is prevalent and really comes up a lot in our community. Um, one more. Tell us how, in season four, how does your relationship with your ex-wife evolve? What can we expect? Well, she's not really, she, she's not really in for too much. They have, like, conversations. Um, okay. Um, her and, her and Curtis meet via FaceTime, um, and she kind of drops a bomb on him um, that she wants to have a baby with Morris. Um, and so they're working through that motion of how that's mm-hmm. going to happen. How are they going to have this baby? And she's like, well, I'm only going to have it with you. You know, I would rather have it with you. So, and now that's going to be a whole nother thing where possibly Morris and Curtis is now bringing a child into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, wow. that's where Morris that and Curtis are serious. Is. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're winding down. We are at 55 minutes already. I could just talk to you. Really? Oh, just, I know. It's like crazy. So I want to wind us down. And um, let's talk about the ballroom scene. I know that you are a part of the ballroom scene. I don't want to misspeak. I believe it's Alpha Omega. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is the house. Talk to us about um, how the ballroom scene how you've impacted the ballroom scene and also how the ballroom scene has impacted you. Well, actually like the ballroom scene is like kind of like the acting thing. I kind of got, just got pulled into it. Um, like I didn't know what it was when I first came out. Um, like we were just hanging out at my friend's house. Um, and my best friend at the time, um, from Delaware was in the house, um, of Ebony and they transitioned to prodigy. Um, it was like probably like a month into the new house of prodigy. And they were just, we were just sitting um, over a friend's house, just chilling. And it was um, like a few of the um, senior members in the house that came over from Ebony that just started the House of Prodigy. And so I was like sitting and watching TV and they were like in the kitchen. And then like a couple of minutes later, they were like, Kenyon, come here, come here. Um, and so I'm saying, I'm like, what's up? They were like, yeah, he's going to walk, he's going to walk sex hour. And I was like, what? It was like, <laughs> come on, category. I was like, what's going on? And it was like, oh, you're going to be in the house. Hands across like, the board. <laughs> it was like, you're going to be in the house. I was like, okay, what's the, how does that work? Whatever. Um, so that's how that happened. And like, I would go to balls and I'm like, what is going on? What is this category? What is that? What is this? Um, I think like once, I think that was probably like my highlight in ballroom was actually going to the ball and being able to know exactly what each and every category was and how it um, pertained to every individual um, I was like, okay, now it all makes sense. That has come full circle. Um, so that's, I mean, for me, what it showed me was when I first came into Barn, I was like, oh God, all these people, they're gay. Really? Are you serious? Because this is me, 17 years old, junior going into senior year of high school. And I'm like, oh my God, all these people are gay. This is so many different people. And then you're going city to city, state to state. It was like, oh my God, I'm in New York now, here at this big place with all these people. And it was just showing um, things I didn't imagine. That's That was the impact that it had on me. I'm just mm. like, gosh, this community is like 
here together doing all these things. Yes, yes, granted, it was like four o'clock in the morning because this is when they were starting <laughs> the back then. Um, and so it was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I see. Okay, now I get it. Now I get the um, camaraderie, the family bonding, the mother, the father, all this stuff. I see how it comes together um, and kind of just mends um, together. And I think the impact on that for me, like walking balls, everything, it gave me gave me a different type of confidence into like the world. Um, just being gay, homosexual, whatever, however you want to say it, um, it gave me this confidence. Um, they're just like, okay, well, you know, you could do this. This is not that hard. Go ahead, go back to your regular life, um, and just do what you need to do, and come back and have fun here. You could just go go to school, do whatever, and then go back. And this is extracurricular. You're having fun. Um, you're being part of, you know, the community of, you know, people that you didn't think existed. Um, mm-hmm. Like you probably, like in my head, I probably like knew it was there, but didn't know. I mean, at 17, you don't really know what's going on. You just hear like rumblings about things. Uh, so. Right, right. My impact on ballroom, um, I feel like I, I always... I'm I'm a very humble person, so I, like I said, I'm very low key. So I never really realize. I mean, I realize it, but I don't. Most times, it's just like, okay, yeah, me. But then people come like, oh, I um, you influence me. I always watch your tapes. I see you um, do this, do that, and I never realize like people notice me. Of course, they notice me, but then you don't really like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, um, like real nonchalant about it. Um, so. In that sense, I always was just like, yeah, I'm here, I'm in ballroom, I'm doing this, I'm walking balls, and that's it. Like, uh, uh, I'm going to walk ball, leave me alone, I'm just in the corner, you know, quiet to myself. But I know I'm not like the uh, most, everybody's like, you know, you're the conservative sex siren. You don't go out there and do all the raunchy stuff and all this. I feel like teach his own. A lot of things, like people sell sex and all those things and, you know, portray the image of sex siren and everything, um, how they want to do it in. You know, because sexual attraction is objective, so it's all in mm-hmm. who your who your audience, <clears throat> so. who your audience is. That's what mm-hmm. I imagine. And walking the ball, you probably have different judges depending on where you're walking. Mm-hmm. And so, tell us what to win category get tens across the board and walk the category of sex siren. What would be required? I mean, now is just pretty much. I mean. Are you gonna be nice? Um, ideally, it's a sexy man with a nice body. You know, you could sell sex and you know um, exude sex um, with. I mean, I always like the categories that like you can be sexy with your clothes on. I think anybody can be sexy with their clothes off, but can you grab attention um, of the room fully dressed? Most of them can't do that, um, but they do still have a sex appeal um to the judges um and you can't knock that because like i said it's subjective Mm. but it's normally most times nice body nice physique you can move a little bit nice face um yeah i mean it's it's really subjective sex iron anyway and then there's perfect tens which is um face body and realness um, which is a little bit more uh pointed at a specific category so most people that walk sex iron can't necessarily walk perfect tens. 
because perfect tense, you got to have the aspect of realness and face and body. And that's when that comes into play. You, yeah, you know, you said, because um, you used the word ideally. And I watched a documentary not too long ago that the Philadelphia Inquirer did. It's funny how you say, um, people notice me. Yes, people notice you because I noticed you in this documentary. It's on YouTube, y'all. It's called Legendary. 30 Years of Philly Ballroom. I posted a really super short, small clip on the Instagram page because I didn't want my shit to get taken down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I linked it. I told y'all where y'all can watch the rest of the video. But it's um, legendary, 30 Years of Philly Ballroom. And I remember toward the end, someone mentioning that the ballroom scene has changed a little bit. And when you said that word, ideally, in, in terms of describing how someone would walk a, a category that triggered that. And I wanted to ask you if, do you feel like with TikTok and with this new generation of kids coming in, has that changed ballroom or has that changed some people's motivations for wanting to come in the ballroom scene? Um, so it's pros and cons to it. Um, I feel like, it has changed. Um, now it's not as, it's definitely not as underground as it was before. It's mainstream now um, where people are, you That's know, a big wanting, one. wanting mm -hmm. to come to balls um, and just be there. Um, but it's also, it falls into now these corporations wants, want to capitalize off of it and not want to, you know, pay the money or, you know, give recognition where it, where it's supposed to be due they'll take from the culture is culture vultures um they'll mm -hmm. take from the culture and you know oh here this is this this net you see all these um different aspects of it in commercials you see voguing you see all this stuff right. and just right. um and not really and what they're doing is they're not taking people from the community to do it they're right next thing you know we see taylor smith doing it yeah right yeah. employing other people outside of to do what you can just go to the community and do um, so that aspect, it's changing. Um, and I feel like now with the ballroom getting so much, um, spotlight and sponsors and everything, um, we see where, you know, back in the day ballroom used to be, you're walking for a trophy. You're not coming there for no money. Now it's these big cash prizes, 10,000, 20,000, you know, for all these categories. Yeah. And people are just like, well, I'm not walking a ball unless it's X amount of money. When back in the day, you would just come and you would just get a trophy and be happy with it and you would give your all. Um, um, mm. So that aspect of it um, is changing. I feel like a lot of it is um, money driven, financial. Just, I mean, and of course, you're putting your all into it. You're spending money, you're putting money out to do these categories. And that's understandable. So you want to get some return from it. But I think in the aspect of it, um, it also, when these cash prizes are introduced, you also have conflict within the barn of like, oh, well, you're voting over that person so they can get the money. You're cheating, all this stuff. So it's, it's a whole bunch of a layered thing. And it's very nuanced that you got to like politic and work about it. But I mean, I guess that goes on everywhere. <laughs> but as far as like people coming into the barn, like then you have spectators. I mean, and this is probably... Problems that we're like um, coming across with like ballroom. 
a lot of people that are coming into ballroom, coming to vault or just coming to watch. So them like piling into the ballroom, it kind of takes, I don't know, from a number standpoint in a uh, venue. If they're capped at a certain amount, now you have all these spectators in, but the people that want to walk the ball can't get in because people are watching. Um, so you have, oh, damn. because a lot of people want to be at the balls now. So it was just like a uh, mad dash, like, okay, well, I'm walking, I have to get there because they could shut their door down because there's too many people in there. And then most of the people that are in there are just there to like watch. And you can't really, mm -hmm. more aspect of the talent because they probably couldn't get in or get to the stage in time because it's so crowded. So crowded. And I can, and I can only imagine, especially with like, Shows like Pose, when that came out, how it magnified, really, the, the, the community. And like you said, a gift and a curse in different yeah. ways. The spotlight on it is good. Um, it's more good than bad because now you can see where some of the influence come from and there's no denying it. It's like, oh, well, that we know where that came from. We know where that lingo came from. Oh, we know what you're doing. Oh, mm -hmm. oh that's um, Even when the whole um, like Pose came out, which was like kind of funny because then you had those gays that um that kind of like frowned upon ballroom um but then they start watching uh pose and they're like oh yeah i'm a butch queen i'm a butch queen but you're like what but before it did like they Girl. were like anti-ballroom anti house right. Anti right um so i guess it also speaks to yeah i was just about to say i think it also speaks to the fact that when people are able to see themselves right. and sometimes they need to see themselves in a particular way or in a particular context in order to be able to relate um, right. and be able to see and open their eyes and, and have a different perspective. Because they only know the negative. And they're like, oh, they just fight a lot. And they still. That's all they know. Um, but, you know, no. It's more than that. <laughs> I want to do something called Name Two Things to kind of wrap this up. And so I'm going to throw, um, these are kind of like rapid fire. So you just, whatever comes to mind, um, you're going to name two things. Name two things you're looking forward to over the next six months, pretty much for the rest of the year. I actually don't know what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I would say more professional-wise, this is like my you know, survival job outside of the creative. I'm looking to see where my professional life goes because I'm in the process of switching over positions. Um, so I'm trying to now balance two jobs. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to let one go. I'm excited to know that I'm about to transition into a new role next week. And I'm excited to see where that goes and to figure out if I'm really going to stay where I'm currently at. I don't know. I'm kind of in a space where I want to move, but I can sit still. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you could be doing some, some going through some transitions, but finding that balance is important. So that way we right. don't, you don't get all burned out. We want exactly. to, we, we, <laughs> we need you. The community needs you. The, the uh, the film um, world needs you, so don't don't burn yourself out. And I'm, and I'm trying to um, get back into that too. Um, do more like commercial print work and stuff. So I'm trying to have that balance um, out too, to where I can be able to dive into that. And, yeah, see where I can do. Okay. Okay. Mini gardens to water in this yes. season. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, next one. Number two, name two things you learned over the past six months. Sometimes you need to just sit still and don't act too hastily. Sometimes I know for me, I can make knee-jerk decisions um, and just like, okay, I want to do it. I want to change. Let's, let's go. And 
sometimes is so it's two things sit still and listen sit still pay attention and also recognize the signs those two two things and i say that in a sense to where um like a few months back i was in a space where i wanted still professional wise actually same thing kind of um i was on the verge of quitting one job and going to another at the same time that i had got offered a position a little probably like an hour and a half away from me i got offered a position i also got offered another position at the same location and i was like so what are you going to do um how is that going to work out and so i just like sat for a minute and i was just like okay i'm noticing the signs here i'm noticing the signs here i'm not supposed to take that other job this is why this one fell in my lap for you to sit still and not be able not be driving an hour and a half every day, three hours back and forth to work, even though you would have got the experience, you could sit here, make more money in the same space and not deal with that. So I had to pay attention to those signs. Hmm. Um, and even in a sense to where me over the last six months, I had to realize what type of, how I show up in a group setting. Yes, I have a demanding energy or commanding energy and I can, you know, lead and navigate. But in my head, do I want to do that? Do I have the bandwidth in my head to want to do that? Um, and that's something I had to like reconcile with like, okay, well, you really don't want to do that. You're doing it, but you really don't want to do it. And so I had to realize like you're you're content with just being um a supporting person in other people's lives versus a leading role in this. Because I have a thing where you don't necessarily want to say no, but you also have to realize no is a complete sentence. Right. Um, right. Because sometimes we feel like we ha we can't just say no, we have to justify, right. we have to explain why. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you got to just be okay with that. Because at the end of the day, you have to put, like I said, your mind first. And I ain't got time for it. I, I, look, I, I lost all my hair. So <laughs> I ain't stressing about nothing. I try to be <laughs> as stress-free stress -free as possible. So yes. So two things. Okay. Be patient. Pay attention to the sun. That was a lot. But yes. All those things. Good. <laughs> okay. And one more. Name two people that have shown you unconditional love and support. Well, first, my mother. My biological mother. I can say my gay mother, too. Same. My mother, she's always there to support me. She's she's the biggest fan. She'll be promoting more than I do. Um, she she's been to balls. She's been to the acting premieres, all that stuff. She's she actually has acted with me in some of the shows that I have been. Oh in. wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah, on Triangle, she played um, my aunt. Um, okay. On one of the um, the shows. So yeah, it's always my mom. She's the biggest cheerleader. You know, she is. The one unconditional, no matter what. Um, we're we are very um, too much. I like to get along most times, so we take each other in doses. Um, <laughs> but she is definitely the unconditional one. And then the other one is uh, Caesar Williams, um, who is my gay father, the one that's in charge of Bombovex. He is always the probably person pushing you to be your best self, you know, even though you don't see it or you don't want to see it or you don't want to acknowledge it. He is definitely one that takes on 
a lot from others and is always able to put out back into them that can pour into other people like unconditionally no matter what um he's always there so yeah those two shout out to so it's mom <laughs> mother mother lisa everybody call everybody call him mother lisa <laughs> <laughs> and caesar uh-huh. shout out shout out to all of them and i'm so hung up Kenyon L. O'Brien, Hunger Up High family. Like, wow, this is really dope. Um, I feel like we um, have been friends forever and we just uh, sat down to catch up and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, see how each other have been doing. So I really appreciate your energy. I'm going to continue to watch, continue to support, continue to show love. I'm really excited for this upcoming season. Before you leave, um, plug the upcoming series premiere, um, the, the premiere of season five, and also where people can find you on social media. Oh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. I really appreciate it. I, I'm going to try to listen back. I really hate my speaking voice, so I'm going to be I do listen, um, so I'm like, okay, now I got to listen to myself, see how it came out. Um, <laughs> yes, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, even like when we first met and we were um, in the bar and you were like, are we an influencer? And I was like, no, not really. Yeah, you were, you were literally trying <laughs> to play it off. And now, star, fast forward to the day, you're like this freaking superstar. When I met you at the, you were just like, yeah, you know, I'm nobody. I don't, I don't be really doing a whole lot out here. I'm like, nah, you somebody. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 was, I already knew who you were because I listened to the pod. I'm not even sure how I came across the pod, but I know I just started listening to it because I try to do this thing to where, um, as far as like me, my intake of social media, I try to like do things like I want to be like a part of um, the black gay community. Like I want to see what they're talking about because I can listen to like five different, six different podcasts and they'll all be talking about something different, which I really like. And so when I came across yours, I'm not sure how I did because I know I know Tony. I don't know him. We've met in passing um, through a mutual friend like years ago. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Um, and so I, like, I just ran, like, started listening. I was like, oh, okay, I like this. Okay, okay. And then shout out, y'all got Candice. Congratulations on that. Yes, that was yeah, nice. Shout big, out to Candice nice Yeah, she was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, season five is coming out. I'm Decalogue Talks to Myself. Season five will be out June 21st. 21st, yes. I'm gonna hold on to the 21st date. Definitely. That's the one we're pushing for. That's more than most of that's what's going to come out. Um, so it's going to be on Omipro TV, O-M-E-P-R-O-T-V.com. We'll be over there. You'll be able to rent um, by most of the times when he releases the episode, it is free for like the first hour or first hour and a half, maybe the first night. So guys, just pay attention to that. You can follow the, um, the IG channel. Um, the IG page, um, the YouTube, Omni Pro TV, or follow me across all social media platforms, Kenyon L. O'Brien. I'll be posting about it. You can follow it there. Yeah, so thanks in advance for the support. Watch it. It's good stuff. Um, it is different, um, but it does t- touch on a lot of current issues. It's, good. it's a good watch. <laughs> and if you're ever in Philly again, and I know you're back and forth, I would love to have you on the show with Tony. We can get you in the studio. 
Oh, um, yeah. And just continue to talk, especially um, as the season five is um, premiering and the episodes are being released. It would just be dope to have you in the studio and talk about some of these things that are really impacting us today. I mean, really, like, stuff that we are dealing with or a friend has dealt with or we may have dealt with in the past, it's all here on the show. And um, so shout out to you. Shout out to Roger. Shout out to your entire cast. You are all amazing, beautiful, talented (laughs) group of men. This was dope. Hunger family, thank you for dialing in and listening. Be sure to... Follow and subscribe to the Hunger Podcast on Instagram and any podcast platform by searching Hunger Pod. That's H U N G U P P O D. And um, y'all have a good rest of the week. Kenyon, thank you. It was good to see you again. Bye and happy Pride. Happy Pride.